Hello and welcome to Habanero Hoops. Today we have a very special guest, Manuel Vasquez Adera. I'm Adam, joined by co-host Michael Guyman. How are you doing today, Michael? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Adam? Can't complain. And today we welcome Manuel Vasquez Adera. How are you doing, Manuel? Great. Happy to be here. All right. Today we are going to be talking about this year's rookie class, surprise performers of the year, and the upcoming trade deadline. And without further ado, we're going to get right into it. All right, first topic of discussion, this year's rookie class. A lot, of, a lot of potential in this class, I think. Some players that are already performing pretty well, some players that are going to perform even better in the future. Um, just generally speaking, Manuel, who do you think the top rookie in this year's class is so far? Uh, top rookie, both in real life and fantasy, I'd have to give to Luka Donich. Uh, it's pretty cool when someone from Europe that people think is overrated can quickly leap to the top. We got Luka averaging 19 points a game, six rebounds, almost five assists, and 1.1 steals. From a forward, that's pretty valuable. And He's also the white guy from Europe that made it, so that's pretty cool, too. I think he's a fun player to own. Uh, what do you think, Michael? Yeah, in the end, you got to tip your hat off to uh, Luca here. I mean, you have other players like uh, Triple J, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Wendell, not so much. But, I mean, Luca is definitely the top candidate as far as rookie of the year. As far as fantasy this year, we're almost halfway through the fantasy year as well as the uh, NBA regular season, and he's producing numbers that um, – no other than LeBron James produces rookie year, and you can cl- clearly see how that worked out for him. So, um, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, Luca is definitely by far the uh, top rookie of the year. And I do, I definitely agree with Luca for this year, although long term, at least for fantasy, not necessarily for real life, I'm going to go with Jaron Jackson Jr. for the highest potential simply because of the defensive stats. He is going to get defensive stats that, just quite frankly, Luka will never get. He's already pretty close in steals, but when you consider the blocks, I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. could be a guy who's top five in blocks in the league. Once the scoring comes around, if he develops that three-point shot a little more, I mean, he's way more efficient than Luka as is. But I, I could easily see Jaron Jackson Jr. being the best fantasy player from this class in two, three years. All right, let, let's talk about uh, first overall pick in the draft, DeAndre Ayton. What are, what are your thoughts on him, Manuel? DeAndre Ayton's a, he's an interesting player. Uh, coming into the draft, big man out of Arizona. Everyone had really big expectations for him. Rightfully so, he's producing. He's at 16.6 points a game. Uh, he's averaging 10.9 rebounds and even a couple assists, which from your center is always nice. Uh, clearly, the issue with Aiton is on the defensive numbers, 0.6 steals, 0.9 blocks. You'd like to see those a little bit higher from your center. Um, but your free throw is nice. It's not killing you, uh, 77%. And your field goal percentage is at 59 So overall, I'd say if you drafted DeAndre Ayton, you got to be a pretty happy owner. Uh, the only thing you can't forget about is if you know, you're know you lacking in those defensive categories, Ayton's certainly, certainly not going to help you out. Uh, but, but I think that's something that could develop into the future, seeing as uh, this is just his first year. Yeah, I would agree with Manuel there. I mean, uh, Phoenix is a pretty young team, and they're going to develop around him. I think they're going to let go a little more of Alex Len. And uh, who's the other guy that had a couple years ago who had a couple good um, weeks in him? Was it something Robert? Chris, uh, the Chris, big man. a big man. Alan Williams? Alan Williams, yeah. Just little guys like that in the center that, you know, you see go through Phoenix and whatnot. But I do not see DeAndre Ayton just being a, um, you know, Stop here, go later. He he will stay for the time being. Him and Booker seem to have a solid relationship. And, you know, I mean, you, you can't complain of the rookie numbers that he's producing currently. I mean, it's only going to get better from there. As you look in the past history with most players, their rookie numbers are the worst until they get to age like 35 or so. But regardless, I uh, I agree with what Manuel said there. And uh, he's going to just, I think he's going to continue to only get better and better. 
I really don't have much to add there. Manuel and Michael pretty much touched on all the points, so we're going to move right into the number two overall pick, Marvin Bagley III. A lot of controversy with this pick, with the Kings deciding to go with him over Luka Doncic and even Trey Young. What are your thoughts on both the pick and Bagley's outlook as a fantasy player, Manuel? Well, uh, the Kings, per usual, really screwed this one up. Uh, I mean, look, he's good. He, he's a good player. Uh, a lot of people are comparing him to Jaleel Okafor and thank the Lord he's not that. Uh, but at the same token, you know, he, he's a good offensive player. Um, he can run down the court. He's an athletic big. Looks like right now he's at about 12.7 points a game, six boards. It's not helping you, but um, it's also not killing you either. Um, I'd say that uh, the Kings definitely screwed this one up, and fantasy is probably on your uh, free agency. Um, but you know, if if you got to pick him up, if you got an open roster to stream, I would. Uh, but just nothing to really write home about. Yeah, he's the sort of guy that you know, if if you have the space, maybe you pick him up. But he's really not going to be that guy that you need to add until later in the season. He's the type of guy, you know, once the Kings realize they're out of the playoff picture, which they've been playing surprisingly well, but once they do fall out of that playoff picture, which is inevitable, um, they're going to, you know, turn to the young guys more. They're going to focus more on development than winning. I think you'll see Bialika's minutes push down, Bagley's minutes push up. And that's the point where you're going to want to add him to your roster and where he could give you that top 100 value rest of the season. All right. Uh, we already touched on Luka Doncic, the third overall pick in the draft. Uh, so moving on to my man, Triple J, from the Memphis Grizzlies, fourth overall pick in the draft. What are your thoughts on him, Manuel? Uh, well, I hate the fact that he's a Michigan State Spartan, but we'll leave that to the side. Uh Jaron Jackson Jr., I mean, we're talking about a future superstar, in my opinion. Um, It's just a matter of time. First of all, from a real-life standpoint, the fact that someone can have this much impact on a playoff team or a playoff hopeful team as a rookie is a really big sign. Um, In the end, uh, 13.2 points, 4.8 rebounds, that's nice. But those defensive numbers at 1.8 blocks, almost a steal a game, it's it's hard to hard to find, especially in a rookie. Um, so that's someone that I would definitely keep on your roster if you have him. And if someone's really you know undervaluing him, target in a trade. Yeah, uh, man, we'll kind of touch the points there. All I'm going to say is him as a sophomore. I don't see him having any kind of sophomore slump whatsoever. Again, he's on a great team. I can't believe a team like Memphis, you have Conley down for a year and they get a player like him and now all of a sudden they're back in, you know, playoff contention like they've always been the past, you know, eight, ten years. I mean, they just had one bad season and got a stud out of it. Defensive numbers are great, efficiency great, all across the board. Um if you have him now, keep him. Definitely look for him for next year. Will not slow down. One thing to add to, if you own Jaron Jackson Jr., you know this, but sometimes you can get a little bit of inconsistency with the performances, and it's almost always due to foul trouble. Those games where the minutes aren't there and the production isn't as good, you'll notice he always has two, three fouls early in the first half, and J.B. Bickerstaff decides to sit him for bulk of the first half. But once... Once he learns to stay out of foul trouble and he's playing 30 to 35 minutes every game, I mean, you're looking at an easy top 50 guy who, once he hits a ceiling, could easily push into the top 20. All right, moving on to the next pick of the draft. That was Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks. What are your thoughts on Trey Young, Manuel? Well, his hair sucks. Uh, but aside from his hair, uh, fantasy wise, uh, you know, you, you gotta be careful on this one. I feel like a lot of people in fantasy, especially if they don't have a lot of experience, overvalue points, you know, points and assists, the flashy numbers. When, when you just dig a little bit deeper, his field goal percentage at 38%, I mean, you're basically talking a punt strategy, not only because of his percentage, but because of how much he shoots per game. His usage is really high on that Hawks team, which makes sense. You know, they, they're they not going to make the playoffs this year. They're 
They're aiming for a high draft pick, but when they give someone like Trey Young the green light, he's going to shoot it in. Some days it'll be good, some days it'll be bad. So you got to be really careful with Trey there. And right now, if you do have Trey Young, you are pretty firmly committed to that punt field goal, even punt turnover strategy with four turnovers a game. Um, interesting that the Hawks traded out of that third spot to move back to five to draft him. You know, just another team passing on Luka Doncic and paying the price. Um, another scenario that the Hawks had um, with that third overall pick was trading with the Cavs to move back to number eight. All the Cavs would have had to do is give them next year's first round pick and take Kent Bazemore's contract. So we have three teams that decided to pass on Luka Doncic. We'll get to what the Cavs did with their pick later, but uh, just something interesting to point out. All right, the next player that was drafted, number six overall pick, Mo Bamba, not getting a ton of minutes so far, but uh, interesting guy. Uh, what are your thoughts, Michael? So a lot of people thought that he was going to have a big influence with the Magic and maybe Vucevic would have stepped down a role. Yeah, that is clearly not the case. We'll get to this later, but Vucevic is, I mean, arguably a top five, if not better, center in the league as far as fantasy. The guy's putting up career-high numbers everywhere, but let's get more to Mobamba here. Um, highly anticipated from Texas, you know, great college career, and uh, I, I really, I don't know what the magic, I don't know what to say they're thinking, but as far as fantasy-wise, uh, he was definitely overhyped. He's definitely not living to the potential of what he's been producing so far. People are anticipating blocks. Uh, they saw a big man that can shoot from the arc. And um, I think this might be a lack of minutes, and Vucevic is just killing it. So it's a little bit of uh, both sides there going on. But uh, Mo Bamba, I mean, I feel like he has a bright future ahead of him. Maybe not in the next year or two, but I don't see him being a bust overall in the short-term aspect of things. But... I feel like he was highly anticipated in this year's draft. Uh, Manuel? No, great points. Uh, you know, I, I, I got to agree and disagree with you in the whole bus thing. I, I don't think he's a bus. I actually think he's quite the opposite. When you look at someone with Mo Bamba's size and skills, it's going to take him a while to develop. Very comparable to a Rudy Gobert, let's say, or even like a Clint Capella, you know, a big rim runner who's going to protect the rim as well. So it might take him a while to pan out. I'd say in those dynasty keeper leagues, he might be a smart guy to keep around. Um, but current year, he's more of a block streamer to me. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, I think it's going to have to take Vucevic being off that roster or Mo Bamba being on another team simply for that value to go up. The Magic have experimented a little bit with Vucevic at the four and Bamba at the five. They have not ran that lineup too often, though. Usually, if you see it, it's only for three, four minutes a game, and it hasn't been massively successful. So Mo Bamba, what he really needs is a situation change for his value to explode. But right now, with it is with with it being what it is right now, uh, yeah, like Manuel said, he's really just a block streamer. All right, speaking of blocks, on to the next player drafted, the seventh overall pick from the Chicago Bulls. That was Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, interesting guy, got off to a real hot start, has started to cool off now. Uh, he, similar to Jaron Jackson, has had issues with the fouls, but uh, still an interesting guy to watch. What are your thoughts, Manuel? Uh, Wendell Carter Jr., absolutely love him. I actually call him Al Horford Jr. because I think that's who he's going to end up being uh, in the long run. Uh, we got a big man that can uh, do a lot of playmaking there in the paint, a little bit on the outside, a lot of dribble handoffs. Uh, Wendell Carter right now, he's got you 10.3 points, 6.7 rebounds, and almost two assists per game. So again, nothing really to write home about. But at the same token, someone to really hold on to your roster, especially given the Bulls' current situation, they're clearly in a tank mode right now, and tanking equals more minutes for developing players, uh, meaning rookies. So I think the Bulls are going to play him as much as possible. He's going to get a good amount of usage there next to Laurie Markkinen. 
Uh, so I think Wendell Carter is something, someone that you definitely want to hold on to in your leagues. And uh, in a trade, uh, don't let someone try to buy low on him because I think he's only going to get better as the year goes on. Yep, can't really disagree there. Um, next pick, and we're, we'll we'll give you a little more insight on this pick because, quite truthfully, all three of us here are Cavs fans. Um, so we have a little more of an emotional investment in this pick, if you will. But uh, that was Colin Sexton, eighth overall pick from Alabama University. Initial thoughts on the Sexton pick, Manuel? Uh, I mean, from an unbiased standpoint, we're talking about a future MVP here, Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, completely kidding. But uh, I, I, I think he's going to be a great contributor to the Cavs. Uh, this year, uh, one of those players that's actually quite surprising. Uh, I didn't think he'd be this good, but seeing as how the Cavs traded George Hill um, and basically made him the focal point now, uh, he's got you 14.8 points, three boards, Two and a half assists, which obviously from your point guard you'd like to see higher, and forty-three percent field goal percentage. So again, someone you definitely don't want on your, you know, free agency. You want to have him owned. Uh, not incredible yet, but I think as the year goes on and the more experience he gets, he's only going to get better. I think one thing that is really nice to see from Sexton too is the free throw percentage is pretty high. That's one thing that rookies tend to struggle with when they come into the league is they just they can't shoot free throws. Sexton averaging 88% on the season, that is really nice. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the Cavs did have a lot. They have a lot invested in Sexton simply because they did not give up next year's pick to move up to three and take Doncic. And, you know, this pick was also initially Brooklyn's was traded to the Celtics and then traded to the Cavs in the Kyrie Irving deal. So a lot, a lot is riding on Colin Sexton for the Cavs just as a franchise moving forward. I know earlier in the year I was really down on Sexton. I actually said that I think Kobe Altman is going to get fired because of this pick. I don't think that's the case now. He's starting to come on a lot better more recently. That being said, we really need to see improvement in those assist numbers, Just not just his assists, but his overall court awareness when he's out there, and you really need to see the defense improve too. You know, I think right now as a fantasy player, he's really only helping you in uh, free throw percentage and points. Outside of that, he's really not doing too much for you. Uh, thankfully, he's not turning over the ball too much, and... You know, the field goal percentage isn't great, but it's not killing you either. But, you know, I'd like to see him shoot more threes instead of those mid-range shots and you know, get a little more active on the glass too. Uh, any thoughts, Michael? No, you got. I agree with everything you both said. All right. Um, moving on to the ninth overall pick in this year's draft right after the Cavs and New York Knicks, Kevin Knox. Uh, thoughts on Kevin Knox, Manuel? Uh, Kevin Knox is the shining example of why you can't get too excited during Summer League. Uh, Summer League has been very overhyped in the recent past, and for good reason. You know, once you're uh, without NBA basketball for a few months, you get really hungry to see these new players in action. And Kevin Knox had a great Summer League. People thought he was going to come out the gates and average 20 a game. Uh, but it's not even close to that. Right now he's at about 12 points a game, four boards. Uh, but uh, more importantly, about half a block and 38% from the field. So he's not really giving you much. Uh, he's probably on your free agency in most leagues, and he's a good streamer. And, you know, he could pick up as the season goes on as the Knicks look to develop their younger talent. But again, I think he's a good example of, you know, staying away from those summer league standouts and making sure you understand what their real league impact could actually be. What do you think, Michael? So he had a shaky start. A lot of people were highly anticipating him in the beginning of the year as far as drafting and fantasy because of what what Manuel just said. You know, the summer league standout, you know, just like uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell. He was last year's example, uh, was a stud in the uh, the, um, summer league, and look what he produced. I mean, arguably rookie of the year. However, the last six games Kevin Knox has played, 
His worst game is 15 points, two steals, and four rebounds. Since then, he's been getting 17 points, 21 points, 24 points, and 21 points. This is Christmas Day we're talking about. However, he's shooting 38% of the season. Um, so, you know, a rookie is obviously going to have a high volume of shots. Not a lot of them are going to fall, but with high volume, a lot of them you know, are going to go in eventually. So if you are looking for a streamer strictly of points, maybe some rebounds from a, you know, well, he is a small forward, but he does play the guard position a lot, I like to think. Um, he's worth picking up if you need some points, but his field goal is not too well, but he's making his threes. He's getting rebounds, and that's about what you're going to get from Kevin Knox. But as far as a rookie... In the future, I, he's only going to get better. And as of lately, he's not doing too bad. Again, just field goal. Got to make those shots. Yeah, I pretty much agree with Michael there. Uh, you know, like he said, he did not do so great at the beginning of the season, uh, but he's really came on strong. I think if he's on your waiver wire now, I think he's definitely worth an add in 10, 12, obviously 14 and 16 team leagues as well. Um, next player was Mikhail Bridges, Phoenix Suns. Interesting guy. He is the Phoenix Suns are committed to him. They've been starting him for a while now. Hasn't really done too much with that starting role yet, but, uh, you never know. Things could always pick up. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mikhail Bridges, Manuel? Uh, Mikel Bridges, uh, he's the player out of Villanova. He won championships both in 2016 and 2018, meaning he's a winning player. Uh, but winning players like him that stay in college for a long time are best fit, in my opinion, for playoff contenders. And the Suns are, as we all know, an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, so with that uh, come some pretty poor performances from Mikel Bridges. Uh, right now, he's averaging about 7.8 points a game, 1.3 assists, 2.8 rebounds. So he's most likely in your free agency. It's nice to see about a steal and a half from him per game right now. So if you need a steal streamer, he's good. But I think for now, he's best fit to just sit on your waiver wire and stream as need be from a steal standpoint. Yeah, I agree with Manuel. Um, if he wants steals, I mean, he's averaging one and a half steals per game, playing 26 minutes per game. But other than that, he's really not getting you a lot elsewhere. I mean, he's getting the minutes, you know, for a rookie, but rebounds aren't too consistent. Assists, nah. Points, I mean, the past six games, his highest point has been 12 uh, ever since then, 7, 9, 5, 9. But, um, hey, if you need steals, Mikel Bridges, he's your guy. He's a rookie. Get him up. But the Suns are just such a weird team sometimes when it comes to fantasy. I mean, I feel like Devin Booker and TJ Warren are only consistent players sometimes. DeAndre but Andre yeah. Ian, too, another rookie. But as far as that, they kind of have a weird rotation, in my opinion. But hey, if you need steals, Mikel Bridges, pick him up. If it's Saturday, Sunday, get at it. All right. And the next guy is a personal favorite of mine. I'm really high on this guy. I think he's going to be excellent NBA point guard. That's Shea Gilgis-Alexander from the L.A. Clippers, Kentucky product. Real nice long wingspan, real tall for a point guard. Already coming on strong with the defensive stats. Um, if he ever develops that shot, he could be a deadly point guard in this league. Uh, thoughts on Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Manuel? Yeah, Adam, uh, he, he's a he's a really interesting player because mainly because of the fact that Doc Rivers isn't known to play his rookies, especially his rookie point guards. Uh, if we're talking back to the Rajon Rondo days on the Celtics, Doc Rivers didn't really play him much rookie year. Um, and again, uh, it's nice to see him get some good court time. He's averaging 27 minutes a game and he's starting for him. Uh, I mean, fantasy-wise, 10.5 points a game, a steal, three assists, three boards with more to come in my opinion yes the inconsistency is there but mostly most rookies do uh, so I'd say he should be owned in all leagues definitely shouldn't be on your free agency and if we're talking in a dynasty keep dynasty keeper league you absolutely got to take him high you absolutely got to keep him yeah definitely agree with me well if in dynasty he's a steal um the thing about his instinct inconsistency is when he gets 24 points he'll get zero steals when he gets four points he'll get a steal or two so um he's inconsistently consistent if that makes sense but again he's getting the minutes which is unique for a team like the clippers um and 
yeah, I mean, he's overall great uh, value for what was he the tenth pick for the Clippers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's eleven, twelve. Okay. Regardless, great value for the Clippers. He's only going to get better in the future. But as far as fantasy, he's a good pick. All right, and. As for the rest of the rookies, there aren't too many that are fantasy relevant. I'll just give you a quick recap on a few that could be, you know, Miles Bridges, Charlotte, uh, really not getting the opportunity. Some nights he gets 30 minutes, other nights he gets 10, really inconsistent. If he were to get a full-time role, Miles Bridges would absolutely be a guy you need to add. Michael Porter Jr., probably not going to play this year. Nuggets really don't even need him. They're rolling. They're fine. They got Will Barton at small forward. They really don't need him. Uh, Kevin Horder of the Atlanta Hawks. Hawks have been starting him at shooting guard, so a guy to keep your eye on. Probably not a must-add guy just yet, but if the minutes maintain and the production continues to push upward, he could easily be a guy to take a look at. Josh Akogi, more of a dynasty keeper league guy because he's not going to get the opportunity unless Jeff Teague gets hurt. Uh, Grayson Allen, really not much to see there. He basically a garbage time player. Aaron Holiday, Indiana, same sort of scenario. He could be a good dynasty guy, but uh, the opportunity is really not there this year unless injuries. Amari Spellman of the Hawks. He is an interesting guy. He did pretty well earlier this year when John Collins was hurt. Now that John Collins is back, really not getting the minutes anymore, but could be a guy uh, if his situation changes that you absolutely have to add. Um, Mitchell Robinson of the New York Knicks, he was probably one of the best block streamers available. Uh, You know, that's Kind of all he's worth right now, though, but uh, firmly behind Enos Cantor on that depth chart. And then the last guy worth mentioning, eh, no, we'll do two more, Uh, DeAnthony Melton of the Phoenix Suns. Currently, their starting point guard. I don't know how long that's going to maintain. I think it's inevitable that they're going to move Devin Booker back over to the point guard spot. They should. We'll see what Igor Koshkov does, but, uh, you know, Anthony Mellon's at the very least a guy to keep your eye on. And the last guy is uh, Radion Kurix, Brooklyn Nets. Started his past two games and had a real two good games. Uh, we'll see if that maintains, but right now more of a dynasty keeper league type guy. And that will do it for our summary of this year's rookie class. And now we are going to move on to our surprise performances of the 2018-2019 season thus far. All right, and for this segment, all three of us have a list of five players who have performed surprisingly better than they would have thought this year we're going to go uh one by one we're each going to list a player talk a little bit about why they're a surprise performer and then move on to the next person so i'm going to start it off uh my first surprise performer of the year is going to be marcus morris the boston celtics i think he's a guy that virtually no one drafted pretty much everyone would have thought of him as just a free agent streamer type guy i think right now he's a guy that you absolutely have to own averaging just a touch under 15 points a game getting rebounds uh good percentages you maybe like to see the defensive stats push up a little bit but uh Overall, you know, a guy that could really help your team. All right, uh, Manuel, why don't you tell us about one of your surprise performers? Yeah, that's a good one, Adam. Uh, Mine is someone that may not be a surprise performer for everyone. Some people expected this, but, uh, I mean, definitely exceeded expectations. Karis LeVert, and as we all know, he's obviously hurt right now. The good news on his injury is that it's not a season-ending injury. It did not require surgery either. It's actually a dislocated right foot. I actually saw this one live uh, on TV, and it looked pretty bad, but thankfully he's going to be back yet this season. 
Once he got hurt, he was actually averaging 18.4 points, 1.2 steals, 3.7 assists, 4.3 rebounds, and 1.4 threes. That's a heck of a fantasy player uh, and someone that can also play the guard and forward position, which if you're looking at your leagues uh, and some leagues that can even provide more value. Uh, so Karis LeVert definitely didn't see this coming from him. People expected a big leap, but he turned out to be the star player for the Nets. And I think that once he gets back on the court and healthy, he's going to pick up where he left off. So that's someone that you could target as a buy low candidate from one of those teams in your league. What about you, Michael? All right, so I have Clint Capella. He was a 25th pick in the 2014 draft. Um, he came into the league averaging just under three points per game and three rebounds a game. Um, so I happen to personally have him the past couple of years and he has been nothing but phenomenal with the uh, value I got him in. I mean, it must've been sixth, seventh, eighth round, if not longer value. And he's been phenomenal. Um, he's around this year has been getting fourth, fifth value. And I mean, this year is averaging 17 and 12 over two blocks a game. And with Chris Paul out, I mean, he, so far, with Chris Paul out these past two games, 23 rebounds a game. I mean, the, the guy's a stud. Um, Clint Capella is, is a perfect example of only getting better and better as he is continuing his time in the league. He's a young player. Uh, James Harden's going to continue feeding him. But Clint Capella, as far as value, he's only getting better. He's owning 98.2%, and he is currently the eighth position rank as far as centers. Expect him to get better. Got to love having Clint. All right, and my next surprise fantasy performer is Malcolm Brogdon of the Milwaukee Bucks. I think he's a guy that uh, was not drafted in too many leagues. If he was, it was probably in you know one of the last last two or three rounds. Uh, but he's a guy where the percentages are great, uh, scoring a touch over 15 points a game. He's hitting threes, getting assists, getting rebounds for a guard. Uh, the only thing that isn't really there are blocks. Uh, I mean, you know, he's he's pretty consistent just across eight categories. Blocks are really the only category he's not helping you in. And if you are one of those owners who was lucky enough to scoop him up off of free agency, you have got to be happy right now with Malcolm Brogdon. All right, Manuel, who is your next surprise fantasy performer? Surprise, surprise, Derrick Rose is here to join the show. Uh, Derrick Rose, one of my all-time favorite players during his MVP season. We all know his injury history, but he came back with an absolute bang this year. 18.5 points, almost uh, about a half a steal game, but 4.6 assists, about three rebounds, and a a 3.5 per game, which is surprising coming from D. Rose. Also very surprising, 30 minutes a game. And up until just recently, where he had an ankle injury that doesn't seem too bad, he's been healthy. He's one of those players where we really didn't see the day that he was going to be back on the court healthy, uh, but it's here. And that's someone that if he's on, you know, he's on a team that doesn't really value him or is scared off by injuries, target him in a trade. Any player is healthy until he's not, and any player that's not healthy is healthy once he is meaning that you know injury history doesn't have to necessarily stick to you like glue. So if he is on someone's team that's willing to trade him off because they're scared off by those injuries, I would definitely tar- target Derrick Rose. Sophomore non-slump will be John Collins, the power forward of the Atlanta Hawks. So he had a little injury trouble earlier in this year. Uh, when he was normally drafted, the injury was not reported until very, very before the season started. Um, as of now, he's averaging 30 po- minutes a game with 18.5 points and 10 rebounds. You're looking at a double-double. In his past six games, his worst rebounding game is eight rebounds. Well, on top of that, he's had a block in 29 points. I mean, the guy's a walking double-double. He's young. He's ready to go. He's on an Atlanta Hawks team that is going to play him a lot. And him and Trey Young, they're just looking like a good dynamic duo as far as young players. They're just getting the stat board up. In fantasy, John Collins is an underdog. He is definitely exceeding expectations as far as where you're getting him in the draft. And that is definitely my number four player on my top five as far as surprising players so far. 
My next surprise fantasy performer is going to be Pascal Siakam of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, similar to Malcolm Brogdon, I don't think he was a guy that really would have been drafted in most leagues. And, uh, you know, he really grabbed that starting power forward spot by the horns, uh, shifting Serge Ibaka over to center. And, you know, Siakam, really, the thing that really pushes his value up is that monstrous field goal percentage. Um, he is scoring close to 15 points per game. He's grabbing rebounds, getting defensive stats too. And he is a guy that you have to be happy with if you were lucky enough to scoop him up off of your waiver wire. Nice choice, Adam. Uh, my next pick for surprising player of the year is Montrezl Harrell uh, from the Los Angeles Clippers. This guy was drafted 32nd overall by the Rockets in the 2015 NBA draft, and he's come a long way since. Uh, right now he plays for the Clippers, as I mentioned, uh, averaging 15.3 points a game, steal and a half, excuse me, block and a half, almost a steal a game, 1.7 assists, and 6.6 rebounds. I mean, look, this guy probably went undrafted in most leagues, and now he's a must-own player. Again, must-own. You have to have Harrell. He's someone I would definitely target in trades and someone that I don't see slowing down at all. He's really the heart and energy of the Los Angeles Clippers' offense and defense, and he's a player that, regardless of where he ends up next season, will be you know needed to be owned for seasons to come. All right, my next player as far as surprising player has been TJ Warren. He is position ranked number nine, so he is top 10 as far as small forwards have gone. He's averaging 18, four rebounds, but the most surprising part about this, he's averaging 1.8 three-pointers a game. Something about the Suns, I don't know what it is, but I heard on the offseason he would shoot some something crazy like 200 threes a day in his off season in practice. I mean, he went nuts. The guy just his work ethic. I mean, even in his Twitter bio, he says, "You'll find me somewhere in the gym." I mean, the the, the guy clearly has upped up his game and it's showing in fantasy wise. Eighty um, percent owned again, top ten position ranking. He's basically getting you over twenty points a game. Rebounds are insane, and he's also giving you a steal and a block a game. T.J. Warren, must own fantasy player, wasn't last year. All right, my next surprise fantasy performer is going to be Justin Holiday of the Chicago Bulls, a guy who was an absolute must-own player at the beginning of last season, uh, but the rails just fell off once the Bulls decided to rest him, You know, not because he was hurt or anything, not because they were competing for the playoffs or anything, but just because they wanted to play the younger players. Uh, this year, not really anyone drafted him because they sort of thought the same scenario would play out. Uh, early injuries allowed him an opportunity for playing time, and he really just seized it. And, uh, you know, now he's getting over 30 minutes a game, and he is providing top 60, top 50 value, and he's a guy that you got to own. Uh, my next player here is someone that's been talked about quite a lot in the recent past, and that's De'Aaron Fox. Swipe of the Fox, as some may say. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is at 18.1 points a game, 1.6 steals, and 7.5 and assists. We're talking about a player that is, again, another future superstar, as I've mentioned about a couple other players on this pod. But De'Aaron Fox is the core of the Kings' offense. The Kings specifically passed on Luka Donich in the draft just so they could keep the ball in De'Aaron Fox's hands, which means their entire focus is on keeping him high in usage, uh, big minutes in the rotation, and as the core moving forward. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is someone that if you drafted him, you're not letting go. I wouldn't recommend even thinking about trading him. And I think De'Aaron Fox, quite honestly, in the next year or two, could reach you know first round, late second, excuse me, late first round, mid second round, early second round value. So you got to be pretty happy if you picked him up in your draft. So this comes to a surprise and not surprise at the same time. So we all know Mike Conley only played 12 games for the Memphis Grizzlies last year, and that resulted to them as being one of the worst teams in the league, thus getting them a great draft pick. But uh, Mike Conley this year, a lot of people were worried uh, where to pick him. And uh, he went around, you know, fifth, 
fourth, maybe sixth round if you needed a point guard death. Kind of depended where. But in previous years, he's always been you know much better in that. I mean, Mike Conley is a very reliable point guard. Well, this year, he's positioned ranked at number six. The sixth best point guard, as far as analytical studies have shown, he is the best at it. He's averaging over 20 points a game, six assists, and over a steal a game. He's playing 34 minutes plus, and as of lately, there's nothing slowing him down. He's getting blocks for a point guard, too, as of recently. And in my opinion, I think Mike Conley has been a big surprise this year. I mean, again, a lot of people were worried about his injury last year. He only played 12 games. That's not a lot, an 82-game schedule of the year, and he has been nothing short but amazing in my opinion. Yeah, I can't, can't disagree there. You know, Mike Conley has been a great surprise given that he's been healthy all year. Um, my next surprise player of the year, and in my opinion the biggest surprise so far this year, is JaVale McGee of the L.A. Lakers, a guy that virtually no one would have drafted. You know, he is the uh, shocked and a fool MVP, if you will. Uh, but, dude, averaging just a touch under a steal a game, just a touch under three blocks per game. He is a stock monster, grabbing boards, really boosting that field goal percentage. Uh, the only thing you know he doesn't really do, he doesn't shoot any threes, not going to be too strong on the assists. Free throw percentage could be better, but given with what else you're getting out of JaVale McGee, if you were lucky enough to scoop him up off your waiver wire, you have got to be happy that you're reaping the benefits JaVale McGee is an easy top 40 player this year so far the shacked and a fooled prime Canada and MVP like that one Adam uh my next one and my final one is a player that averaged 25 points a game in his senior year at Oklahoma and that's none other than Buddy Heald uh, Sacramento Kings guard uh, he was involved in that DeMarcus Cousins trade from a while back, if we all remember. And at the time, the GM of the Kings was uh, told people that he thought he was going to be the next Steph Curry. Well, I don't think we have that on our hands, but we do have a damn good player. Averaging 20.4 points a game, 2.4 assists, 5 boards, but most importantly, 3.23s a game. We're talking about a player that can really solidify those categories for you in the points and threes while still keeping your field goal percentage very healthy. It's hard to find from a you know volume shooter like Buddy Heald. Uh, so Buddy Heald is my surprise, honestly, my top surprise pick for the year and also my pick for the most improved candidate player of the year in the NBA season. Merry Christmas to you all. It is currently December 25th, and Paul George is the number one player Raider on all players in the league i mean uh he was you know drafted around three maybe second round if you were really reaching for him but he has exceeded all expectations he is producing first round value um his past five games his lowest rebounding game has been eight he's been 12 14 11 14 cents but he's averaging eight rebounds a game over 26 one of the best stealers in the game and getting over three three-pointers a game it's up to him and russell westbrook they're dominating the west Mello, currently, his absence has not affected the team whatsoever. But Paul George, everyone was expecting kind of a third-round value there, maybe maybe low second. But as of now, he's producing first-round value, and I do not see that slowing down anytime soon. So Paul George, if you got in the second, third round, you kind of got to have a steal. And that is my last pick as far as surprising players of this year. All right, and can't really disagree with there. I think uh, Paul George is a clear top 10 guy this year, and I don't think anyone really took him in the top 10 this year. I bet most people would have taken Russell Westbrook over Paul George this year, and they picked the wrong member of the Oklahoma City Thunder if they were going for a first-round player. All right, and that will wrap up our surprise performances of 2018 to 2019. Now we are going to move on to our next segment, previewing the upcoming trade deadline. I know it's a little bit early, but uh, it's never too early on Habanero Hoops where we give the spiciest takes. All right, and on to the upcoming trade deadline. Right now, previewing the upcoming trade deadline, uh, we're going to go to the first scenario uh, with the Orlando Magic. 
possibly trading uh, Nikola Vucevic, maybe Aaron Gordon. Uh, we'll see. Uh, thoughts on the situation with the Magic, Manuel? Yeah, so interesting situation here, Adam. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I would have said that Vucevic is as good as gone. Uh, but seeing how well the Magic have performed thus far, definitely overperformed based off of everyone else's expectations. They're aiming for a playoff spot and a franchise that quite quite frankly, they're desperate to make the playoffs to prove themselves. Uh, they're going to hold on to Vucevic, who's been by far their best player this year. If you own him in fantasy, keep hold of him. Don't get scared by the thought of him going to another team and being lost in the rotation. He's a great fantasy player. He's a prime player to the Magic's rotation, and I'd keep hold of him. As for Aaron Gordon, they just signed him to a four-year Round $84 million contract. They're clearly invested in him, and he's a big part of their rotation. So, honestly, Adam, to answer your question, I think that both players are going to stay put and aren't going to be moved by February. All right, we're going to move on to our next scenario. Kevin Love and the Cavs. I I personally, I do not think the Cavs are going to move Kevin Love. I really don't think there's a team that's going to want to take his contract. You know, they just signed him to four more years, over $100 million. He's making a touch under $30 million a year. That is a lot of money. And with Kevin Love's injury history, I don't think any team who's going to be willing to pay a player that much money is going to want to assume that injury risk as well. Uh, I really, I also think that despite it being obvious that the Cavs can't compete right now, I think Dan Gilbert still wants to, and so I, I just think the Cavs are going to hold on to him. Uh, any additional thoughts, Michael? Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with everything you just said, Adam. And with Kevin Love coming back in the next week or so, it being the 25th of December currently, the Cavs are standing at the worst Eastern Conference team. They're the, the worst team in the Eastern Conference. And that means that, you know, results in a high draft pick if it keeps going on. So we get Kevin Love back. I don't see the Cavaliers winning that many more games. So if Kevin Love can maintain his health, we can potentially get a high draft pick as well as a healthy Kevin Love for the 2019-20 season. And that is another reason why if I am the Cavaliers GM, I would not be so off and ready to ship him to another team for whatever you're willing to get back in return. Because we all know what Kevin Love's potential of when healthy. And with another good draft pick, Colin Sexton's only going to get better. We got Kevin Love, who's an all-star. He's a stud. If we're already at the bottom of the barrel, let's just keep riding it. I mean, the Cavaliers obviously want to win, but... If they're going to maintain that bottom barrel, let's see what they can get next year and maintain that with Kevin Love. So, no, they should not trade him. All right, and this next one, uh, I'm going to throw two and one. I'm going to throw it to Manuel first, then I'm going to throw it to Michael. So the Rockets and Lakers, two teams both potentially looking to add a piece. Uh, you know, the results haven't been exactly where they've wanted them yet. Uh so we'll go to you first, Manuel. Do you think either the Rockets or the Lakers are going to be able to add a piece at the trade deadline? Well, I think both teams, uh, both teams' GMs have a huge amount of pressure in Magic Johnson and Daryl Morey in making a trade. Uh, the Rockets have been a lot better as of late, but they clearly need depth at the wing position especially. I think they could actually be in a trade involved for Contavious Caldwell-Pope from the Lakers to tie the two together. Um, they just added Austin Rivers, which gives them a lot more depth at the point guard position. Uh, but from a fantasy standpoint, there will be no additions, in my opinion, that make any huge rotational type changes. The big players on the Rockets, Capella, Paul, James Harden, P.J. Tucker, they're still going to be the big players there. And from the Lakers standpoint, I see them making a big trade. Obviously, the one everyone talking that's t they're talking about is Anthony Davis. Uh, I don't think the Pelicans are going to trade Anthony Davis this year. Uh, he's too good of a player, and anything you get in return really won't be worth it. So any thoughts of a superstar coming to L.A. this year is not going to happen. Uh, if the Lakers make any trade at all, it'll be for a minor minor rotation player or someone that they pick off of on the waiver. Uh, other than that, I think both teams are going to look relatively the same come February. 
Yeah, I agree with Manuel. I know there's a time when we thought Trevor Ariza going to the Lakers was a thing, and that would have been amazing for the Lakers. I mean, he's already won a championship for that franchise. He's a great 3 and D player that's, you know, is perfect fit for LeBron, but that obviously fell through. Again, if I see any kind of trade being involved, uh, KCP uh, moving south towards Houston would be the move to go. Uh, Austin Rivers is doing, I mean, it's Christmas Day, and he had somewhat of a decent performance uh, replacing an injured Chris Paul for the time being. But, um, yeah, you know, again, for the time being, I don't see anything, any significant moves between the two teams. LeBron's going to keep eating. He's going to keep doing what he's going to be doing. Uh, They're going to get in the top four in the West, in my opinion. And uh, fantasy value, I don't think any uh, team is going to have any significant um, changes as far as value with the players so the lakers and rockets i just am curious to see how the rockets gonna finish in the west but fantasy speaking harden's eating capella's eating lebron's eating you know all the all-stars are doing their thing but as far as trades nothing too significant in my opinion can't really disagree with either of them. I, I think we're talking rotational pieces at most with the Rockets and the Lakers. On to the next scenario, and that is the Washington Wizards. All of John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Otto Porter can be had for the right price. Of uh, you know, Washington significantly underperforming this year. Uh, just quite honestly, they look like crap. Uh, there, there's a lot of. Uh, discord between scott brooks and the players uh just you know they they look like a mess uh thoughts on the situation with the washington wizards manuel yeah so this situation's pretty interesting given the players that are said to be toxic in the locker room Uh, a lot of people think that trading john wall would be the the wise decision but let's just look at john wall's contract extension here real quick uh, for the next one, two, three, four years, he's due approximately $37 million, $40 million, $43 million, and then a whopping $46 million at the end of that contract in 2022. And that's a player option, which he should pick up if he's any sort of a smart man. Uh, that also involves a 15% trade kicker, meaning any team that trades for him has to pay 15% of his actual salary of $37 million, which isn't just pennies. Uh, so all that being said, I think it's highly unlikely, if not impossible, that John Wall gets traded. The two higher likely players to get traded are Bradley Beal and Otto Porter. Uh, Bradley Beal is on a team-friendly contract. Young player, a lot of potential. If anything, he's the player that the Wizards want to hold on to. Uh, but he's really the only one of any significant value. The other one in Otto Porter, uh, you know, he's better in thought than in real life. Uh, in thought, he's a 3 and D player that can be on a championship team. In real life, he's a 3 and D player that can't hit that many threes and is injured most of the time. So I think that um, all three players are most likely going to stay put. If anything, Otto Porter might be the one on the move. And to who, who knows, but the Washington Wizards are certainly not in a position of leverage at the moment. It's weird because as far as fantasy says... Um John Wall has been doing a little bit better than last year. He's averaging a point more per game, one assist less per game, but his field goal is slightly above than it was last year. However, Bradley Beal has also been better this year than last year. So it almost makes you think what is lacking as far as depth in the Wizards. I mean, they were definitely, I can't tell you right now where they were in the uh, conference standings last year, but this year they're far you know, beyond the playoffs. But strictly fantasy-wise, John Wall's killing it. Bradley Beal's eating it. What's going on? I mean, I know they just acquired uh, Trevor Ariza, and I don't know how they're doing from there. But um, as far as trading value, I'm just going to have to agree with Manuel. I mean, there's if you really want to blow up the team, go from there. But I, I personally think they just need to stick to their gut and follow what they're doing and kind of go off the – luck of the charm if you will but i mean it's we're almost halfway through the season it's christmas day they're not really getting anywhere crazy but i don't i really don't see washington making any big time trades maybe auto porter for some pieces but as far as the two studs and john wall and bradley beal one of the more dynamic duos is backcourt and nba they're both strictly fantasy having 
great, great years. I don't see him really getting traded for anything. I mean, what would they trade for? I mean, Adam, do you have any... Who could they trade for? John Wall, Bradley Beal, you know, great backcourt. What do you think they can get back potentially if they did have a trade scenario, in your opinion? I'll tell you right now where they're going to trade him. Fire up the oven, boys. Here comes a hot take. Bradley Beal is getting traded to the Orlando Magic. No, they're not trading Vucevic. They're not trading Aaron Gordon. They're trading for Bradley Beal. As we discussed earlier, there is no clear path to playing time for Mo Bamba. They have other good young guys like John Isaac. I think John Isaac and Mo Bama get packaged in a trade along with the first round pick going to Washington Wizards for Bradley Beal. Now they're going to have a nice core of Bradley Beal, Aaron Gordon. They're going to sign Vucevic to an extension, and they're going to make a run at the Eastern Conference. There it is, your hottest take of the night. Moving on to the next scenario. Um, Anthony Davis and the Pelicans. We just got to talk about this one because this one's been in the news. What do we think is going on with Anthony Davis and the Pelicans, if anything at all? Manuel? Yeah, so I'm absolutely sick of hearing about Anthony Davis getting traded from the Pelicans, like I mentioned earlier. Let's put it quite clearly. Everyone in today's age is in love with picks. Getting a first-round pick uh, is basically uh, the best thing in the world to most GMs. But in real life, you're never going to draft a player as good as Anthony Davis, meaning you should never trade him until you absolutely need to. Anthony Davis is still in their contract for next year, meaning you keep him for this year. If he demands a trade next year, so be it. You trade him at that point. But right now, I don't think Anthony Davis is on the move. If he were to ever get traded, it, the, the Pelicans would at least demand a first-round pick a high-level rookie, and a rotational player. Meaning if he did end up on the Lakers, they'd want at least Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, maybe Lonzo Ball, and a first-round pick, which the Lakers would not give up. If he went to the Celtics, they would ask for both the Grizzlies, the Kings pick, and Jalen Brown or or, uh, Jason Tatum. So I think that's just too much of an asking price for the other team, and I think that's a price that, honestly, the Pelicans don't want to pay in giving up Anthony Davis. Uh, question for Adam. Adam, do you think that the Pelicans, Anthony Davis becomes a free agent, not this year, but the next offseason, do you think the Pelicans, you know, let's say they make the playoffs, which, you know, it's a very likely possibility. Do you see them wanting to go out of their trade for them? And if so, is it going to be towards the Lakers or do they really want to get him? They want to maintain him in the Western Conference. I'm sure they kind of want to move him to the East if they can. I mean, what do the Lakers really have to give up? I get LeBron can kind of pick and choose what he wants to do in the league, but Anthony Davis is a free agent, and uh, Pelicans are going to know this. I don't see him going far as far as the Western Conference. Um, Adam, I mean, what, what do you think? Are they going to move him so desperately or what? Uh, I, th- I think I agree with what you were hinting at there. Uh, I don't think that if the Pelicans were to decide to trade him, first of all, I don't think they are going to trade him. They can offer him $50 million more than any other team. Money talks. I know Anthony Davis has said, oh, money won't be the deciding factor for me in the offseason. Yeah, everyone says that until there's a contract in front of them that will pay them $50 million more than any other contract that can be offered to him. Additionally, if the New Orleans GM decided to uh, you know, get high out of his mind and trade Anthony Davis. I think he would go to Boston, not only because as a competitor, you're going to want to keep not keep, get him out of the conference that you're in, but Boston just has more assets that would appeal to the Pelicans. They have those picks that the Grizzlies and the Kings own. Um they they have those young pieces like Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown, which quite frankly are more attractive to me than the Lakers' young pieces, especially Jason Tatum. If you can get Jason Tatum in that trade, I, I mean, that is going to be better. Not only that's, – that's going to be the best player you can get, but Jason Tatum is going to be better than anyone you're going to draft with any of those picks. So in my mind – Boston is completely the ideal trade partner with the Pelicans if they are willing to give up Jason Tatum. That being said, though, 
I still don't think the Pelicans are going to trade Anthony Davis. I agree. All right, and that wraps up our trade deadline preview. I know it's early, but uh, we still had to get some thoughts out there. All right, and that does it for today's show. Habanero Hoops, a special thank you to Manuel vasquez for coming on the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Absolutely did, Adam. I appreciate you guys not discriminating against the Latinos here in the world. Uh, but no, in all fairness, um, thanks for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, as you know, we're part of a fantasy league together, so there's nothing quite like talking with one of your best friends about fantasy hoops. And I really appreciate what you guys are doing on this podcast. Uh, the information is 100% accurate. So for anyone listening out there, listen to what the Habanero Hoops has to say. Yeah, thank you for coming on once again. And uh, we look forward to having you on again in the future. And that does it for episode two of Habanero Hoops. Goodbye, everyone.